Well, hello. Good morning. Great to see you all here. Um, you'll have to forgive me. I have a bit of a cold, so if I just start coughing, just, just bear with me, please. I'll have to take a drink. Let's pray as we look at God's word. Heavenly Father, thanks for your word. Thanks that that's how we get to know you. Thanks for your awesome plan of redemption where you offer us life, not just now, but forever as well. Pray that as we look at your word, we'd be challenged and encouraged and our lives would be changed. Amen. So I wonder, have you ever wanted something more than anything else? Whether it's a house, a boy or a girl, beating uh, some other sports team, whether it's your own or one you support, <coughs> Raiders, uh, maybe it's that expensive watch or another pay rise. What's that thing that you want so much you're like a horse with blinders on? For me, when I was 11, it was getting my first big boy bike. 21 Shimano gears, not a hand-me-down for once, being the fourth child, that was very exciting. Handbrake, snow pedaling backwards, a kickstand, built-in suspension, and the best bit of all, it was fluoro orange. A beast of a bike. Or maybe when I was nine, the red and white Michael Owen soccer boots. White leather, red laces, red studs, and red Umbro logos on the side. Maybe you've still got that thing that you want more than anything else, and it takes your mind and your time. Money, car, clothes, approval, acceptance, comfort. Maybe you've achieved one of those goals in the past. I wonder, does it, does it last? Does it satisfy? Whether it's your bike that's a bit old now, or those awesome soccer boots that definitely don't fit anymore, our earthly desires just seem unending, and they, they never satisfy, do they? We search for value, identity, and all kinds of things in all the wrong places. Here in these words, Jesus is addressing not just 12 men, but anyone and everyone who wants to claim and follow him and be his disciples. He's addressing you and me right here today. And that's why in verses 27 to 33, he really wants to make it clear what his messiahship what his kingship looks like. As he asks the disciples and, and Peter says the right thing, you are the Christ, but Peter still doesn't get it. And that's why he's so harsh with Peter and he rebukes him so, so clearly. Because Jesus comes to serve, not to be served. He comes to die for humanity, not to destroy humanity. And that's the background for understanding what it means to be one of his disciples, one of his followers. Following him, following Jesus, means wanting him more than anything else, even our own lives. More than orange big boy bikes, houses, beauty, or whatever you might be chasing after. We should want Jesus more than anything, to follow him and chase after his glory. Look with me at verse 34. What does it say? Then he called to the crowd. He called to the crowd. He called the crowd to him, sorry, along with his disciples and said, Chase your dreams. 
act like everyone else. Be selfish. Achieve love and acceptance from other things, not me. If only, right? What does he actually say? If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That's how we need to follow him. This is his command. Yes, we're saved by grace through faith. It's a gift from God. But Jesus shows us here and in so many other places in in the Gospels the seriousness of being one of his disciples, of living a different life. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Verses 35 to 38 are some motivations, some reasons, and incentives for why we do it. But let's start in verse 34. Deny yourself. Denying yourself is a natural outworking of the gospel because the gospel shows us that we took the crown from God's head and we put them on our own. We wanted our own glory and our own goals more than anything. As we recognize the wrong we've done, how we've sinned against God, and we give him his rightful crown back, it's only natural as we, as we acknowledge him as king to be his servants, to serve him with everything we have, to put to death our old selves, to deny our power and our self-glorification. We deny ourselves because we want Jesus more than anything, more than ourselves. His glory, his reputation and his good news spreading. Denying ourselves means denying the old self that doesn't want to take up our cross. Denying the accuser in our brains that wants us to choose comfort, safety, approval, and not Jesus. And denying our consciences that try and convince us that the way we live does not matter. Self-denial, though, does not mean being a stoic or a monk. Otherwise, we'd think we're somehow earning our salvation. And it doesn't mean religious perfection or having no pleasures. Uh, If you've got your Bibles there, you can flick with me to chapter 10, verse 17 of Mark, where he's speaking to this rich young man. And the man asks, what do I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, look, basically follow the commands. And he's not very humble, is he, this rich young man? He says, look, I've done all of that. And Jesus says, all right, well, there's, there's this last thing. Go sell everything you have. You have one big issue. Your heart. He wants this man, this rich man, to want himself more than anything. But the rich young man walks away sad, doesn't he? Because he loves something from creation more than the creator. Denying ourselves means losing our lives for Jesus and the gospel. And we'll unpack that more as we get to verse 35. Wanting Jesus more than anything means we deny ourselves. What about the second half of verse 34 there? Take up our cross. Jesus says, if you want to be my disciples, take up your cross. Follow the pattern I've laid out for you. And we see that pattern in verse 31. He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, 
and then he must be killed. And after three days, rise again. The cross for Jesus was opposition, suffering, being treated like a criminal, and ultimately death. Taking up our cross isn't willy-nilly. It's not, oh, I'll do the dishes. I'll take up my cross. No, it's serious. It's all of life, and it's difficult. Jesus was born to die, and we're made in his image to take up our cross just like him. Jesus is challenging us, are you willing to die for me? Because if you want Jesus more than anything, denying yourself and taking up your cross, you'll be treated like him. And it's not meant to scare you. It's a motivator. We can actually be like Jesus as we live how God intends and lose our lives for him and the gospel, just like our Lord and our Saviour. That's why he says, follow my example, follow me. It's hard though, isn't it? Because we're so liable to find our pleasures and our treasures in anything apart from God. Taking up our cross does not mean just ticking boxes. doesn't mean we carry our burdens alone. And it's not just the slight inconveniences of taking out the bins or doing the dishes or letting someone else eat the last Tim Tam. Taking up our cross means what we looked at in Philippians. Philippians 1.21, that to live is Christ and to die is gain. Preaching Christ no matter the cost. Taking up our cross means being treated like Jesus. The opposition, the suffering, the pain, and death if we're called to it. Taking up our cross means remembering all that God has done for us in our Saviour, through Jesus, as he bled, died, and suffered for us. Taking up our cross means we have a new heart. Ezekiel 36 where we have new attitudes, a new purpose, new priorities, new motivations, as we put to death and deny our old selves who search for earthly things rather than our God. Taking up our cross means we'll be relentless and bold followers of Jesus. I wonder, is that something you ask God for? Help me do that. Help me want you and your glory more than me. Or do we ask God for things that will make our life more comfortable, help us feel more accepted, or be more safe on earth? Do we want Jesus more than ourselves? Are we being bold and relentless followers of King Jesus? It's a big challenge, isn't it? Just this one verse. If you want to be my disciple... Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. But like I said, verses 35 to 38 give us some pretty compelling reasons for why we do this. (coughs) For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, 
the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Life. That's why we do this. That's why we deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. Real life now and eternal life forever. But what does this verse 35 mean with this saving and losing and losing and saving? It's a bit confusing, isn't it? Well, those who want to save are those who want to avoid taking up their cross and denying themselves. Believers or not, whoever it might be, who wants to avoid the opposition, the suffering, and instead satisfy their earthly desires and work towards their own goals, their own acceptance or glory or comfort, whatever it might be, they will lose their, their eternal life. Do you see the irony? We don't want to lose our lives, do we? So what does it say? What does Jesus say? Don't save it. Throw off the old self with everything that hinders that you've been saved from. And like the second half of this verse, as we see, lose our life for Jesus and for the gospel. So what does losing our lives mean? Well, verse 34 is a pretty good place to start, isn't it? Denying ourselves and taking up our cross. Because, friends, what do we lose, really? A good question to ask is, does it matter eternally? Let's think about our time. Maybe you spend all your time working, trying to earn as much money as you can. To Maybe you think it's for your family or or for your own pleasures and treasures on earth? What if you spent less time working and spent more time with your family? Or maybe it's missing out on a party or a gathering and choosing church or Bible study first. A real example from last week was our big day in. As we set aside a few hours of our afternoon and joined together, to invest in eternal things as we were trained and equipped from God's word to serve God. It was a really encouraging time. Does spending our time on earthly things matter eternally? No. (laughs) Does it even matter that much here now? Because wanting Jesus more than anything means we lose our life for him following his example that he's laid out for us, like we saw in verse 31. Losing our lives means we have different priorities. We use our time differently. We take risks socially. We reschedule our weeks. We live counterculturally, And we preach Jesus in every season. Losing our lives means we save them eternally. But it's not not all doom and gloom, because what do we see in verses 36 and 37? In Jesus, we have everything we need. And so it's a pleasure and a joy to lose our lives and gain Christ. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Some versions in verse 36 
Instead of gain, we'll have profit. What gain is there? No gain. What profit is there? No profit. You can go after the world and work for your comfort or whatever you're aiming for, but there is no profit. There is no gain. But we already know that from our lives, don't we? Trying to gain the world does not satisfy, even though it promises that it will. What good is it? What gain is it? What profit is it? No good, no gain, no profit. Now or eternally. You can't buy a soul out of hell, no matter how much world you gain. Or to flip verse 36 into a statement. No amount of money, approval, honour, comfort, safety, acceptance would be worth forfeiting your soul for. What about verse 37? What can a man gain in exchange for his soul? It's not meant to be rhetorical. What's the answer? Nothing. Nothing. What's out there that's worth more than life itself? In Jesus, we have everything we need, we want, and we desire. Identity, infinite value, abounding love, unending fulfillment and satisfaction, and eternal life. We don't have to work for it or earn it, but just merely receive it. When all that is true, friends, how could you not want Jesus more than yourself? God is so loving and kind and awesome that he offers us forgiveness and adoption and eternal life. These verses show us there is nothing, nothing more valuable than this. There's no greater gift. And on the flip side, there is nothing more sad than forgetting it and wanting our own selfish desires more than Jesus. Sorry. Wanting Jesus more than ourselves looks like denying and taking up our cross. It means losing our lives for him and not trying to save them. Because in Jesus, we have everything possible. And therefore, verse 38, we should not be ashamed. (coughs) Don't be ashamed of Jesus. When we're ashamed, we're trying to find value and identity in all the wrong places. And it shows here in this verse who we want our acceptance and glory from as well. Jesus put it pretty harshly. An adulterous and sinful generation. As we brush Jesus aside, we want our world and those in this world to love us. And by doing that, we trash and forget the love we've already got. To flip this verse on its head as well, Instead of being ashamed, we should be proud, proud of our Saviour and proud of our God. A few things to note. It's a trajectory, an attitude and a heart condition. It's not an exam, because if it was an exam, we'd all fail, wouldn't we? Because we're not perfect. 
As we want Jesus more than anything and are proud followers of him, our hearts and our minds are what God is after. It's where we're headed that's important. With God's help to grow in knowledge, love and service of our creator. Therefore, it's important that when we stumble, and we will, that there is forgiveness. And we don't use these like hall passes or something like that, but rather in humble confession to God, aiming to repent and turn away from that sin, there is 100% forgiveness for any way we may have failed and rejected God. From verse 38, we should be proud and boast about our Saviour, knowing that he'll be proud of us on that final day. As we wrap up, it's pretty clear that this is a heavy message, isn't it? As I was preparing, I like to think of this as Jesus, our our king, our captain, our leader, our general, rallying us to follow him. So what does it look like to want Jesus more than anything in practice? We've already talked about how we might use our time differently. So what about where we find acceptance? In Psalm 119 that we read, one of the last verses says, Take away the disgrace I dread. Whether it's facing those fears as socially as we proclaim Jesus, maybe for you it's just trying to fit in or keep up appearances. Trying to save our old selves and find acceptance from the world and not from the one who has accepted us. As we want Jesus more than anything, we don't need to be accepted by the world because we have been accepted by our Creator who loves us dearly, who cherishes us, who made us the way we are, in whom we have identity and value. We no longer need to feel acceptance from our world and those in the world because in Jesus we have everything we could need, want or hope for. That means casting out our fears and our doubts, finding value and identity from God, not the things we do. And it'll mean caring what God thinks of us, not what other people think of us. Finally, as we want Jesus more than anything, it'll mean delighting in him. It's a great word, isn't it? How could we not delight in God when we understand all that he has done for us? He has taken up his cross and been nailed to it for us that we might have life. He lost his life for humanity so that in him we might all be saved. What a good, kind, and loving king. As we want Jesus more than anything, as we put him first with our time, our energy, and understand we have acceptance and approval from the only eyes in the universe that matter, we must delight in Jesus as our treasure. It's only natural. As we delight in him, we can be joyous in all seasons. We can have a life full of purpose, identity, value, acceptance, and adoption. As we delight, we should get to know God more so we can delight in him more and more and more. 
And as we delight, we should get to know his good and perfect plan because he's a good, good God. And we should be enamoured by how much he loves us. One of my best mates got married yesterday. And as uh, the bride-to-be walked down the aisle, there's that clear delight going both ways in there. And as they said their vows and made their promises to one another, it's just so clear that they are overpowered by this, this overwhelming delight. It's, it's a beautiful thing. That same delight of, and love and overwhelming joy is how we should think about our Lord and our Saviour. He's our treasure, isn't he? The one we love more than anything because of all that he's done for us, infinitely more than we can deserve or fathom. We should want Jesus more than anything. We should show it by denying ourselves and taking up our cross. We're motivated because of the life we have now and forever. We know that in Jesus we have everything we could need, want or hope for. And as we want Jesus more than ourselves, we'll be proud. Proud followers of him. And he'll be proud of us. It'll change how we use our time, where we find acceptance, and give us hearts that delight in our creator. For what good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. How about I pray we'd do that? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, this is a hard word today. To deny ourselves and take up our cross. But this is the heart of the gospel. I pray you'd help us and you'd be working in us to help us day by day to choose you. To choose you and want you more than anything. Not to deny pleasures or do the right thing religiously, but out of thankfulness and delight for all that you've done for us. Help us to be bold and relentless followers of you. And share your good news with everyone we meet. Amen.